Hello, and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined, as always, by my co-host... John Kerry. <laughs> Sorry, I was and reading he is, something. He is locked in on this UW OS, or Oregon line. I, I, I believe in research. What can I say? <laughs> uh, this week, we are going to talk all things Pac-12 championship game. We're going to break down some Seahawks. We're going to break down some value dogs. Might even sprinkle a little Kraken in there. We have to. We can't keep claiming to be all things Seattle. <laughs> Just refuse to acknowledge this disaster of a Kraken season. Very true. Very true. Uh, but before we get into that, as always, a little Coyote Picnic. Okay, John, break it down for me. Is the Seahawks season going to go up in flames now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> My dear, dear friend, <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> raise your eyes from the ground and see the flames reaching towards the sky. <laughs> it is not a question of if, it is a question of how bad um, the Seahawks season is already on fire. Uh, and I'm not sure the Water Brigade is going to get there in time. Uh, coming off a brutal loss, 31-13 to the San Francisco 49ers. And the thing is, they just like were not even trying that hard. Like Brock Purdy threw the ball 30 times, and they just really walked into this win. Um, yeah, it's a game that was not in doubt after the first quarter. And this was the first of four ridiculously hard games we have in sequential order. Um, and it went as badly as we feared it could. The Seahawks are now 6-5, and five, a game over 500, and they play a very hungry Dallas Cowboys team this week. Um, I'm scared. I'm scared a little bit. I might have peed down my leg a little <laughs> bit just describing that. Yeah, uh, the Cowboys... Somebody posted on Twitter this week um, that the Cowboys have had a relatively soft schedule, and they, you know, their wins have been against that teams that are below 500. And uh, this week is kind of their chance to stick it to somebody who's supposedly good. This is they got to get in while the getting's good. This is the last week they'll be able to say they beat a team <laughs> over 500 when they're playing the Seahawks. So that good win's going to turn into a bad win here pretty quick. Uh, that's an interesting point. To be fair, the Cowboys do have a tendency of beating up on garbage teams and then struggling in competitive games against more high-quality teams. The question at this point is, are the Seahawks really a high-quality team? And I just like, man, I just do not see it. Gino this week had 180 yards throwing the ball with zero touchdowns and one pick, which you'll love to see. You'll love to see that from your starting quarterback. Somehow he only threw the ball 27 times in a game that they were down... 24 to 3 at half, um, which I don't really understand, especially considering the ground game wasn't really moving. He was sacked six times. That'll do it. That will do it. And yeah, you know, credit where it's due. We've talked about it since the very start of the year. This offensive line has struggled. But hey, bro, welcome to Seattle. <laughs> this is what Russell had to deal with for a decade. Um, you got to get used to that if you're if you're playing in Emerald City. Yeah, you talked a little bit last week about uh, how Charbonnet was kind of taking on that lead rusher role, and I think now we can safely say that Kenneth Walker being injured is really hampering this offense in the sense that they don't have a secondary back to go to, and Charbonnet is just he's not he's not necessarily like a number one every single down guy. Like he's a good maybe two or three downs in every four down or every. Dude's four, a you rookie, know? you know. Yeah. It, it's it typically takes a little bit of time to adjust to the speed and the, you know, weight of the NFL, you know, give the guy some time to hit the weight room. He's a big kid. I actually, yeah, he, this was his first week taking on full lead back responsibility after the Kenneth Walker injury, 14 carries for 47 yards, 3.4 average, not great. They are playing the Niners. Um, there, and they did not have a lot of third and twos, uh, for him to be able to showcase something positive. I still really like Charbonnet. 
And going into next year, I think there's a real question as to whether or not Kenneth is the guy going forward or if Charbonnet will be the guy. I really believe that. But there is no doubt that handing the ball to the rookie 14 times against this front while Gino is completing, you know, 18 to 27 uh, was not a recipe for success. And it wasn't. Yeah, looking at it. <laughs> don't, don't pretend for one second that you didn't pause the podcast <laughs> to get your weak-ass cookies out of the oven. Perhaps. Um, looking at the San Francisco stat line, Christian McCaffrey, 19 carries for 114 yards. Just um, to clarify, that is five more carries for 80 more yards. Um, I think just looking at the, the overall spread, San Francisco had the ball for... What is that? Sixty-four plays. Uh, Seattle had the ball for forty-eight, so sixteen more plays, and those plays all came basically in the rush. So San Francisco's just taking time off the clock. Didn't really give the Seahawks a chance to come back in any way, um, yeah. especially with their defense being able to cover anything we could throw at them. A masterclass of ball control for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, going into the half down 24 to three. And to be honest, I put some money on the San Francisco minus 21 and a half line because I really thought they were just going to continue to run it up. Like it was, it was a rough outing for the Seahawks and it didn't look like it was going to get any better. And it really didn't. They, they scored one touchdown, um, from what was it? I don't even see where the touchdown came from. Was it a defensive touchdown? It It, had to be, it must've been a pick six because yeah, yeah, it was, I forgot it was the Jordan Brooks pick six from like the, the seven. Yeah, which was going to be another San Francisco score. So just to clarify, if things if they had had a better play on that individual play, it could have easily been 38 to six. Well, this was on the Seahawks seven or the, the 49 or seven. So they were coming. Oh, they were starting. Brooks returned it for it looks like 12 yards. I, I didn't watch the second half of this game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. No, I mean, the fact that we took the possession away from them probably prevented a touchdown. So you're right in that sense. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, yeah, the only positive would be that in the third we did go 10-0, but, uh, yeah, not enough, not enough at all. And you can't keep relying on your defense to bail you out. Honestly, I thought the Seattle defense played pretty well against, you know, one of the most dynamic offenses in football who were controlling the ball the entire time. Offense isn't getting anything going, so they're on the field constantly, um, yeah, think about that. With that pick, that means the Seahawks generated two scoring offensive drives, and they were both field goals. Two. That's so bad. Yeah, it I'm, was. I'm honestly amazed Geno made it to 180 yards, <laughs> generating two field goals. You could say that it was because he was playing, you know, trying to play off an injury with that uh, that elbow yes. thing that happened against the Rams and living on his back. Um, but you just. It, I, Gino came out and said he's not making the right read, or he's throwing it to people who are open instead of anticipating pe- people getting open Correct. on their routes. He said that at some conference, I think, right after the game. Which is like a quarterback sin in the NFL. Like, yeah. bro, you're a professional. Like, I can throw the ball to people when they're open. Yeah. But the problem is defenses get to the ball first. You have to be able to anticipate. Yeah, I, you know, Jackson Smith leading reception yard. Yeah, he did have a really nice one-handed catch um, in the second half. Yeah, I or, guess this is probably not how he imagined having his first, you know, leading DK and Tyler Lockett in reception yard game, but uh, we take what we can get here. God, yeah, DK, three receptions on nine targets. Again, just like you like you were saying last week, really struggling to consistently get the ball to him. So, so bad, man. The, the real problem is that Bobo only had one reception for six yards. We need to we need to bump that up. How are we supposed to get going when our most dynamic players are being <laughs> given the ball in space? I really, I just don't think we use tight ends well. That's that's kind of my big thing that I've really not liked the entire year. Well, bro, that's that's like Pete Carroll one hundred and one. I know we got Jimmy Graham in his prime and weren't able to do really anything with him. Don't you remember? Like this guy has never known how to use tight ends in the passing game. I remember, and that's why you have an offensive coordinator calling the plays. Shane Waldron hasn't done it either. It's like every every good team has a good tight end that can at least block and then release. And a quarterback that realizes that, hey, that's a thing that's going to be open. I feel like I think of, obviously, Patrick Mahomes. Like Travis Kelsey is able to get open because he's a good route runner and a 
you know, basically yeah. a receiver. But- Dallas Goddard's had a da- down year on the Eagles, but he's an elite tight end. They've got the Dalton Kincaid uh, and whoever the old head is, uh, Dawson Knox on mm-hmm. Buffalo. That they're really good. Dallas pumps out good tight ends. They have Jake Ferguson this year. Last year they had uh, last year they had the guy who's on Houston now, and he's playing really well for C.J. Stroud in Houston. I'm not going to remember his name, but yeah, look at the good teams, and you will find you know a top ten, top fifteen fantasy tight end because. Good teams understand that, yeah, a big, strong guy blocking so you're not necessarily sure what he's going to do play-to-play. And running seam routes is one of the deadliest weapons in the game. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure if it's the fact that like Will Disley just isn't necessarily that kind of talent, even though he can block, or the fact that Noah Fant, who is that kind of talent, sucks at blocking. So every time he's out there, he's running a route, and defenses can anticipate it. Um so that might be a personnel issue, but I think it's more likely, to your point, that for the umpteenth consecutive year, I'm just, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm just getting a little frustrated with the Seahawks, man. It's the same shit every year. Like, yeah, our defense is overperforming, but we don't have an offensive line. Our quarterback's living on his back. We don't have good tight ends. Our running backs are so-so injured. Yeah. One of them is always injured. One of them is always <laughs> injured because they're getting over-freaking-worked. Uh. Yeah, I... It feels like the Seahawks are running... This is going to sound weird. They're running like a college-type offense mm. in the NFL, and that's just not what you can do. Like, It's not very sophisticated. Yeah. There's, not, there's nothing, in my mind, very sophisticated about the Seahawks offense. Nothing. It was it the was, way that DK plays. We've already discussed very unsophisticated. Yeah, it was. It's watching the Seahawks is like watching a worse version of the Washington Huskies offense. It's that's all it is, and the fact that they're playing against the 49ers makes it so they don't they can't score thirty five points a game. Yeah, there's <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind that the Washington Huskies offense, as currently constructed, is a better offense than this Seahawks team. Um, Whether it's because of the play calls or the players, that's another note. But yeah, I have Penix is. Eric's is a lot better than Gino, and we will see that in a couple of years. I think I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know what to say. It's same shit, different day. Our defense just isn't all world like it's been in years past. I, I just want to see something a little bit different, man. I don't know. What's really exciting is that after this absolute schlacking and, and staring down the barrel of a Dallas game. We get to play this Niners team again. We get and to play then the Eagles. Yeah. yeah. So bad, man. We're going to go 0-4 in this stretch. I'm saying right now, you want to make some real money. Parlay. Seahawks loss with Seahawks loss. With Seahawks, Seahawks loss in the next three weeks. I that is, a, that is a Charles Barkley guarantee. Uh, so it'll be an easier discussion once they're 6-8 and eight and are finally have a record that reflects the quality of this team to be able to say, nope, season's over. Pack it up. Hopefully, Penix falls in the draft and we can snag him. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what the answer is because this team has the two biggest issues an offense can have in the modern NFL, which is a bad offensive line. It's so basic, man. Talk about another thing every good team has in common. Yeah, yeah. And bad quarterback play. It's like, shit, do we even want to get Penix in? The guy's going to get sacked 15 times next year. We have to address the offensive line at some point, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how, if we think, the Seahawks can beat the Cowboys this this upcoming week. Um, the line the line for this game the line for this game started at seven at the beginning of the week plus or Dallas minus seven That's it's already moved to Dallas minus nine and most of the betting probably hasn't even happened yet yeah I I would be you know nine points is a lot of points um how could we beat this Dallas team well Dallas has a really good pass rush <laughs> which They've is got discouraging. One of the best defensive players in the league in Micah Parsons. Correct. They also have a sixth round cornerback who broke the record for most pick sixes in a single year. Two years after 
Uh, Trayvon Diggs broke the all-time picks in a year record. So that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> Luckily for us, Trayvon Diggs is injured. They only have one quarter, one record-breaking quarterback this season. Um, yeah. What do we got to do? What do we got to do, man? Well, okay, so the good news is that Tony Pollard for the Cowboys has been a fraud all year. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I have him on my fantasy team. I, he scored a touchdown last week. He had like 16 fantasy points. Well, thank you for that one, Tony <laughs> Pollard. Freaking first time all year. Um he has he's had a very down year compared to what he was doing last year as the second string running back. So if I believe that he is capable of being shut down, and if the Seahawks defense can stifle the run game and keep Dak throwing the ball, Dak has had a great year. C D has had an amazing year. Um, I still think the more you can get Dak to throw it, the better off you are. The guy is mistake prone. Um especially with the way our defense has been playing. Um, if they can get it to a you know third and one, we're toast. They're just they're too dynamic of an offense. Talk about an offense with real dynamism in it. Um, but if we can stifle the run game and force third and tens and just keep the ball out of their hands and then hope Charbonnet has the game of his life. My my main thing looking at this Cowboys team is Dak has hours in the pocket to throw every single time he snaps it <laughs> oh i wonder why i wonder <laughs> i wonder if jerry jones invested in any part of the team that they give their quarterback more time to throw the ball <laughs> um so in order to beat them you just have to i think you have to shove dak prescott out of the pocket i think you have to break that pocket down you don't necessarily need to sack him he's just he's a great pocket passer and not as great on the run he's not patrick mahomes correct um and I just think that's what you got. What you're going to have to do. Uh, the question is, can you do it against a really good Cowboys line? Um, obviously, we have good corners, good safeties, good good linebackers. Like our defense is good. We've been saying this. Yes, the defense um, is good. And yeah, Weathers- Witherspoon's already an elite cornerback blitzer, um, which is a good way of getting a quarterback out of the pocket when the offensive line is elite. Is you bring in pressure from the far side. Um, where it's less likely to get picked up. And then, yeah, you either get the sack or you can get the quarterback out. Um, problem with that is when you take a cornerback out of out of defensive formation, it uh, makes it easier to chop up your defense. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're going to have to do. Um, and the offense is going to have to score 25 points. That's yeah. if, if the defense can do that, Dallas is still going to score 24. Like they're just their their offense is too good. Um, yeah, you just got the Seahawks got us got to be able to score, and I just it worries me. Um, but you got to have a big game from DK, just muscling balls away from from whatever cornerback Geno can throw it near. Um, <laughs> if you tied Patrick Mahomes up in a chair and forced his eyes open with one of those horrible eye open machines and made him watch Seahawks offense tape. <laughs> His head might explode. <laughs> I think that's the worst thing you could do to the man. Oh, we didn't. We didn't come into this pod wanting to tear the Seahawks apart, but it's just kind of what this has turned into. I speak for yourself, man. This team is toast. I'm almost. What really frustrates me is that they've had these flash weeks where it's like, okay, I kind of see it, but the only problem is now they're going to be six and eight, and then I just wish that they were, you know. Three and eleven, you know, for the for the draft equity, stacked quarterback draft, man. This is going to be an all time quarterback draft. This quarterback draft is going to be unreal. People are talking about Caleb Williams like he's chopped liver. Guy won the Heisman as a sophomore. This quarterback draft is going to be nuts. And if the Seahawks just miss it because Geno drags their limp asses <laughs> to like seven or eight wins, it's really going to bug me. Yeah, I mean, we we can get a little bit more into the the college quarterbacks because like Penix isn't even in the top five. Correct, and Penix is awesome. Yeah, um, Penix still might win the Heisman. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just there's so many good quarterbacks coming in, which makes it makes it believable that the Seahawks could pick a quarterback in the second round. Like, yeah, Penix Penix will likely be a second round guy. It's hard to imagine five quarterbacks taken in the first round. Yeah. Probably a high second rounder. 
And that's the thing. It's like, God. can the Seahawks afford to spend their their first round pick on a quarterback when they have so many other needs on this team? It's it's week thirteen, and we're and the Seahawks are six and five, and we're like, man, this is over. Yeah, <laughs> draft a quarterback. It's because we it's because we have working, functioning eyeballs <laughs> and an understanding of the schedule. Um, yeah, shit. Um, all right. Is there anything else you want to say on this Seahawks team? <sighs> Man, Jason Myers has been amazing. God, Jason Myers is good. Yeah. It's yeah. him and Jake Elliott are the two best kickers in football. I, I do want to point out, so the, the Seahawks lost against the Rams a couple weeks ago, 16-17, uh, and Jason Myers had that last-second kick that he missed. And I was watching that, and I was like, man, that wasn't even Jason Myers' fault. Like, it was a, it was a you know, 50-yarder or whatever. But the the wind, I think, or something, just kind of took the ball and just like shoved it to the side. Mm. Like it wasn't like he kicked it straight on, and then just like the lords were like, "Eh, Seahawks shouldn't have this one." Damn it, lords! <laughs> <laughs> Always favoring Los Angeles. Um, so I've just been really impressed with Myers. Um, special teams has been really good for the Seahawks, and it's just it sucks to see the Seahawks become Pittsburgh when. They don't have as good a defense. <laughs> yeah, I I wish we had Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. Um, yeah, yeah, we can move to value dogs. I'm okay with that. Eyes on panics, folks. Eyes on panics. Um, value dogs this week. Yeah, Exciting. let me let me break down some 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 rough news we for the listeners. To, we don't have to talk about last week. We don't have to talk about last week. Uh, they need to understand what happened. Uh, underdogs covered the spread in three of the sixteen games last weekend. That means we um, could only try to get three possible. We had like a 15% chance of getting anything right. Yeah. <laughs> and the good news is we did not. <laughs> Neither of us got anything right. And so we're basically at the same spot we were at. You know, we just chalk, chalk up 0 oh, and 3 weeks to both of us and say those didn't happen, right? That's cool. I think we should get combined one <laughs> mulligan week a year to say, hey, guys, come on. We're human. We're just going to not count that year. <laughs> and that's week 12 of 2023. Um, yeah, we were each. So I was 14, 15, and 1 last week, and John was 14, 13, and 3. And we have since moved to 14, 18, and 1, and 14, 16, and 3. We are now both below 500 no! for the first time. This is the first time all year that we've both been below 500. Yeah, because I was doing so great. Yeah. I was up. I was up. Up to like four or five games off five hundred. It's been a tough end of the end of the year for me. The football gods were like, ah, the value dogs can't be too good for next year. Yeah, it was. We got to scare some people away. They saw my hubris, <laughs> like like Icarus. I flew too close to the sun and was was punished for it. Um, uh, I will say so. Last week I had the Rams plus one and a half in as one of my value dogs, and I just think I saw that wrong. So I'm taking that as a loss. Um, yeah, so they would have they covered your supposed line. Yeah, in, in the Tyler Cartwright sportsbook, where <laughs> you define what the lines are, that's a dub. Um, but we're gonna get it back on track this week. All I need to go is three and zero, and I'll be back over five hundred. Yeah, and I feel very, very good about this week. Um, with that in mind, would you like to lead us off, or do you want me? Uh, no, I want you to do it. Okay. Well, with my. First value dog pick of the week. I am taking... Oh, who do I want first? There's so many good lines. I will take... I'm going back to a team that disappointed me last week, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. Um, they did not cover last week. They got kicked in the teeth, um, which was a pain to see, but I still believe in Kyler Murray. Guy's been pretty dynamic since coming back from injury, and they are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are... Just the most ho-hum team in the NFL with a good defense and just an awful offense. Geno Smith enjoys watching. He watches a lot of Steelers tape. That's what he watches type himself up. Um, And the Cardinals are plus five and a half. It's just a lot of points. It's a lot of points in a game where they clearly have the better offense. And I think the Steelers offense is so bad that it honestly might be kind of immune to defenses. Like, their problems are always more of a failure to launch than like the defense. It reminds me of a team that that we might follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kind of equally bad against whoever they play. So I I'm, I don't expect this Steelers team to drop like twenty seven on this notably horrible Cardinals defense. I just think the Steelers don't have what it takes to get there, 
And in that case, I think Kyler can at least keep this game close. Five and a half points. They just need to lose by less than a touchdown. Yeah, my my main concern was that new coach or new offensive coordinator thing that the Steelers got going for him. Um, yeah. I don't know if you saw, they had 400 yards or 400 or more yards the last game before Matt Canada was a Steelers coach or the Steelers offensive coordinator. He In the 44 games that he was the offensive coordinator, they did not have 400 yards ever. And then in the first game after he got fired, they had 400 yards again. That's hysterical. So, <laughs> so I'm just, I worry that the Steelers are going to have one of these breakout offensive games. Um, that would be funny. To be fair, it would be pretty hilarious. It would not help Matt Canada in his job hunt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that's the reason I stayed away. I just feel like the Steelers have that potential to to break out, and their defense is amazing. Uh, but I do also think that the Cardinals could cover at any point because they could score 30. Uh, with my first pick, oh, man. I don't know why this line is what it is based off of last week. Uh the Packers are plus six against the Chiefs. Mm. And I've said it at least 18 times on this podcast. I don't know why the Chiefs keep getting massive lines. They don't, like last week and the week they played the Chargers were the only times I feel like all year they've scored more than 30. Mm. Uh, and the Packers are showed last week that they could beat, granted, the Lions defense is very, very bad. Um, has a lot of holes and the Chiefs defense is good. But I just feel like the Packers are kind of in a groove right now. And... Definitely better than the Seahawks. They are in a groove, and you're right. The Chiefs have been a little booty this year. Their record is good. They they keep winning games, but in years past, the Chiefs have never been a good line team. They've yeah. always been yeah. good, so they've always been getting these six, you know, seven and a half point games, and they love to not cover the spread. They love it. Um, we talked about it. What was it like week one or two of the year when when Mahomes, you know rolled down oh, yeah. the one <laughs> to keep them from covering the spread. That's what they used to do. It used to be like, we are so in control that we're going, we're going to choose to win this game by less points. Now it's like, oh my God, like we're just pulling these wins out by the skin of our teeth. They were down like 24 to three against the Raiders. Last yeah, week. they were. Yeah, they were certainly down 14-0. Um, and that was, yeah, a nice comeback when they ended up covering healthily. But um, yeah, they're just not a team that I really trust, particularly with points. So I think that's super reasonable. Yeah. Um, with my second pick, uh, <laughs> I've got an interesting decision to make for my third. But for my second, I'm going to go chalk. I'm going to take a team that has lost a single game and yet keeps finding themselves as underdogs in some of these games. It's crazy. I can't believe I've got the opportunity to pick them. But I'm taking the Eagles plus two and a half against the 49ers. This is an Eagles team that were underdogs against Kansas City and won. And then they were underdogs against Dallas, and they won. Why have they been underdogs in these games? They're one of the best teams in football. They might have the best offense-defense balance in football. Um, They've got an unstoppable one-yard play to make it first and nine, basically. Correct. First and nine every play. They've got... If not the, if probably not the best, but probably the second best wide receiver in the sport. Um, and a really, really good quarterback. So, um, Niners are good. We saw how awesome that offense looked last week, and I really think they are. The Eagles defense are going to have a lot of work. I think this is going to be an awesome and competitive game. Yeah, yeah. But I look at this as a battle between equals, and I'm getting two and a half points, so. There are two possible outcomes, either a one- or two-point loss that the Eagles could lose and still cover. Um, so I just think it's good value. That I, I like that a lot. It's a good way to think about it. Um, for my second pick, I am going to go with the team that somehow seems to just keep winning. And I was I thought they were bad at the beginning of the year, and thought they were bad in the middle of the year and now i think they're really good i don't know what happened but the broncos are getting three and a half points against the texans and they just scored 29 against the the browns the browns have an amazing defense uh granted miles garrett has been a little ham not hampered but he's been a little injured so maybe he's been a little worse for wear uh but the texans i feel like the broncos defense is going to be physical with the texans and they haven't really played anybody like that all season um yeah, the Texans are getting a lot of love 
because of Stroud's performance and, you know, their record. Um, and nobody likes watching them more than me. But, yeah, this Broncos defense is going to be a unique challenge for them. And then their defense does not put up much of a threat. Um, you've made my decision easier. Broncos are one of the two teams I was considering. I'll let you have them. But I think that's super reasonable. This should be, in my opinion, like a one-point line. Yeah, I would probably say it should be Texans plus one. Um, I think it'll be once again competitive. This that that Texans offense is for real. Um, but with the way this Broncos team has been playing, goodness gracious, what a turnaround! Yeah, the start of the year, getting three and a half points for them, they could lose by a field goal. I think it's going to be a close, close game. That, that's a good point yeah. too. Nobody loves game-winning field goals more than the Texans. This is like that's built in that if the Texans win, it's going to be by yeah. three, right? <laughs> love doing that um that's great well okay you you made life easy for me you're letting me go back back to my home i i'm just gonna i'm gonna pick this team every week for the rest of the year because that's the reason i went 0 three is i i didn't <laughs> i didn't think about going back to my boys uh i'm taking my washington commanders plus nine and a half <laughs> against the miami dolphins <laughs> my boys Sam Howell, my muse, keeps me coming back week and week. I have him in two fantasy leagues. Guys carrying my lip ass to the playoffs. <laughs> um, They're down, yeah, nine and a half points to the Dolphins. Dolphins are really good. <laughs> Dolphins are really <laughs> freaking good. They are. But their defense is not very good at all. I think this commander's team is going to put up points. Moving, moving Sam Howell into my starting lineup in both leagues, baby. This is going to be a big week. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think the Dolphins are probably going to be able to take their foot off the gas a little bit come the fourth quarter. I could see them being up 17 points come fourth quarter, and then that, they're just working clock at that point. And what does Sam Howell do? Comes back to cover the spread. He does it every <laughs> single week. No, they don't win the game, but they cover the fucking spread. So the fact that we have nine and a half points to work with here, that just that just gets me excited. I have nothing to say. I've been laughing at this the entire time you've been picking it. Uh, not that I don't like not that I dislike it. Um, I just it you pick the commanders every single week you've done well. And I just haters gonna hate baby. <laughs> Three and oh, comeback starts now. All right, now I have one more pick, and you may be thinking, oh, Tyler's favorite pick is still on the board. Panthers plus five and a half. No, I'm done with them. Good. Good. <laughs> I've been on them ever since they almost played into the Seahawks' favor and uh, lost by three um, in that, what was it, week two? Um, but. Been a rough season if you've been on them since week <laughs> yeah, two. I know. I was like, oh, they played the Seahawks so well, they're probably going to be trying. I just think they're awful. That's just kind of what it is. Um, Not only are they awful, but they're getting worse. Like, Adam Thielen was a serious weapon, and he has been poo-poo for yeah. the last four weeks. Yeah. So, we're moving off of him. I'm done. I, I'm i quitting the drug that is the Panthers underdog plus. Getting clean. Love to see it. <laughs> uh, and I will be taking the Browns plus three and a half against the Rams. You don't want Seahawks plus eight and a half against the Cowboys? No. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, uh, Browns plus three and a half. I think it's going to be a close game similar to the Seahawks-Rams game and getting three and a half points from the Browns. I think it's going to be a game where the Rams offense has 17 points and the Browns are at like 12 with seven minutes to go and they kick a field goal and then it's just back and forth and it's 17 to 15 and the game ends. Yeah, this Rams offense has been confusing and bad for the last several weeks. Cup's been injured. Cup got injured again last week, too, I believe. Correct. The guy can't stay on the field. To be fair to the Rams, Kyron Williams was a monster. Yeah, they did just score 37 points against the Cardinals. That is, yeah. Once again, worst defense in the NFL, (laughs) in my opinion, than the Cardinals. Um, But he is really, really dynamic. They have missed him, and, and it's good for him to be back. I traded him in my Dynasty League because I'm trying to tank for the first overall pick next year. And uh, I, I was only able to get like a fifth-round pick from him, and it was ridiculous. I was telling people, Kyron is for real. And everyone's like, no, no, no. Anybody could do that on that offense. The running backs have sucked. This first week back, guys dropping like 30 fantasy points. So to my dynasty league, guys, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I think the Browns' defense is going to be one of the few that could stop a, a good yes, run. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. They've they've swallowed the run all year. Yeah, so that's that's kind of my thought. I think the Rams' offense will be a little bit more stagnant than it was this last week. Um, God, we made it through value dogs. That was a journey. That was that was a good one though. Real quick though, speaking of the Browns, this week for my. Uh, <laughs> what do I call it? My uh, oh, your rancid dog, rancid dog of the week. Well, you didn't pick one last week, by the way. I made a prediction on the pod for what it would be since I didn't know what yours was, oh, and funny. you didn't make a pick, and I was, I was a little embarrassed, cowardly. <laughs> <laughs> but with Browns in mind, I am taking Jake Browning <laughs> and the Cincinnati Bengals plus eight and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Stay away, people. Stay we, away. We love Jake Browning here, but. He is not an NFL caliber quarterback. No, he is a great guy. I'd get a beer with him any day. Um, Jackson uh, Jacksonville's looking really good. They're now up. I think they hold the one seed or I think they're KC eight and three. Yeah, I think yeah. KC is the one seed. They're the two seed in the AFC, tied with KC for the one seed. So we could really make a push here to get yeah. that one seed. They have been weird this year and disappointing at times, but they still have a very dynamic offense. Trevor Lawrence looked great last week. Um, their offense is good. Their defense is really underrated. And this Bengals team is just, they're ready. They're ready to be done. Joe Burrow's done for the year. Jake Browning's not the answer. They're banged up. They're in the toughest conference in all of football. Correct. Division. Yeah, it's basically already over for them. Um, I don't see them bringing much fire into this game. So stay away from that. A little rancid. Caught a whiff of something. All right, let's move on. Let's get into the things that we want to talk about this yes, week. Yes, positivity. <laughs> oh, God, I'm excited to talk about something good. Um, let's break down first something that's positive, but not as positive as we probably would have wanted it to be. The UW Huskies beating the Washington State Cougars only by three points. I said last week that the line was 16 and a half, and I was, like, I was confident that they would be covering that. Um yeah, they were just kind of unable to move the ball. Any thoughts, John? Yeah, so that outcome did not surprise me. I was a little surprised with how much their offense struggled, but you have to remember, this is the Apple Cup. You know, It's a competitive game every single year. No, maybe not every single year, but most years, certainly. Um, these two teams know each other super well. Um, you, you know, Washington State had a ton of of film to watch on this Huskies team. They had a ton of motivation to play spoiler. UW, you know, obviously they want to win, but it, it can be a little tough to bring that fire when what you're really doing is taking all the time you can to prepare for Oregon. And Because even if they would have lost this game, they would still play Oregon in the uh, Pac-12 championship. So yep. obviously they wanted to win, and I'm sure they put in a lot of prep, but uh, Wazoo was definitely bringing the intensity. I was impressed by their defense. Um, and, you know, these games are weird. These last game of the year rivalry games are always weird. Alabama <laughs> converted a 4th and 20. 31. 4th and 31. 4th and 31 on the last play of the game to score a touchdown and beat Auburn. They should have lost to Auburn. Auburn sucks. <laughs> Auburn lost to New Mexico State. Um, so these last week of the season games can just be very wonky against your old rival. I was, if anything, it just makes me more impressed and more surprised with how handily Oregon handled Oregon State. I thought that game would be a nail-biter that would come down to it, and it did not. Um, so this game didn't discourage me the way some of UW's other trips have discouraged me, like Arizona State and Stanford. Yep. That's not how I feel. Also... This Wazoo team has real talent. You know, their quarterback will make the league, probably not this year, but next year. There's talk about UW recruiting him right now. I, I would love that. I think he's really talented. Um, Wazoo fans would fucking hate that. But, uh, <laughs> be, yeah, that would, that would make the Apple Cup even more intense next year. But, um, yeah, I, I, I was, I guess, a little disappointed, but not entirely surprised. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think th this game specifically, I think the reason it was close was just because UW couldn't finish out drives. Um, they would get to, like, Penix had 204 yards, two touchdowns, um, and one interception. And 
on in terms of rushing, he had 30 rushes for 102 yards. Like everything was fine. There wasn't a ton of turnovers um, or fumbles or anything like that. I just think we were unable to finish drives. We had a missed field goal, um, six punts, like a, a pretty pretty uh, uncommon game for us in terms of efficiency. Usually we can get field goals when we get to those drives, but we were just like, we would keep getting to the 40 and we'd be just out of field goal range and have to just like try and punt it down inside the, inside the 10 or whatever it was and just try and pin them back. Um, which led to them having, it looks like more, I think more yards than us. And just like, you know, Cam Ward had three touchdowns, but two interceptions, like they had a more sloppy game, but overall generated a better offense. Yeah. They were, Um, they were taking shots is what they were doing. Yeah. Cam Ward is a shot taker. Um, and, you know, that comes with big plays, which we saw, and it comes with turnovers, which we also saw. Yeah. So I just think, like, the reason it was close was because we weren't finishing, um, which we've seen a bunch, and that last second field goal, um, really, God, can we just talk about the Dunes' run? That's the only thing I want to talk about with this game. Easily the best play of the UW season. Um, Massive, massive cojones. So, last drive of the game, a minute, minute left. Yeah, so last drive of the game for you, Dub, clearly. But it, it was a, a huge spot because it was fourth and one on their own 30. Yeah, and they had just been stopped on third and one. Yes, DJ had just been stopped. Fourth and one, they're going to, what, punt the ball to Wazoo with a minute left and give them a chance to walk it up for a game-winning field goal? No. We'd know what would happen when that when that punt goes up. We've seen that story a thousand times before. And coach said, no, I know if we give this up, this is literally the game. They're already in field goal range if we fail to succeed. But they call up the best play call of the year. Just a little like a little fake run to a sweep from Adunze. Yeah. And he gets 23 yards. <laughs> and it was, so you were at the game. You yeah. were watching it live. I was watching it on TV. And this play passed the, ch- the most important check for any fake um, which is that they shook the cameraman out of their fucking shoes. <laughs> where it's like they they it was such a good play design. It really looked like they handed the ball to DJ, and the camera just follows him all the way to the right, and he gets stuffed. He gets stuffed at the line, and you're like, oh my god, that's the season. But then you see a little bit of flicker of movement at the top of the screen, and you're like, wait, what's going on up there? Camera has to race up to adjust, and I thought it was Penix. I thought Penix had kept the ball and was running it, and I'm like, damn, Penix is fast. <laughs> it was not. It was, yeah, swoop to Adunze, who just took off with it. But what an, they've had that one in the book for a long time. They were saving that one for a big moment. Yeah, that was that was crazy. During the game, I, I had the same exact moment. I was basically with the camera. I was like, oh, shit. We are not going to get this. We're going to lose. And then I just, like the play's like still going on for like a second longer. And you're like, wait, what's happening? And you just see a Dunze just sprinting past one of the Wazoo defenders. And you're just like, the crowd erupted. It was one of those like great moments. And we were like, okay, we've got this in the bag as, as weird as it is to say, like yeah, once you get that, got that first down. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I also felt like this is over. That's a, that's a backbreaker. Um, God, I love a Dunze man. A Dunze is so good. so good. I, I, we need to retroactively address the fact that, you know, Maybe halfway into the season, I wanted to have the discussion as to whether or not him or Jalen Polk was actually the best receiver on this team. Obviously, Adunze was always the better NFL talent. But on this UW team, there was a stretch where they were both going for 100 yards and a touchdown every single game. And it's like, oh, Polk, you know, he's more of like our third down guy. Adunze is more of a big play guy. But it's like, man, it's not even close. Adunze is so good. Yeah. I love that we have some plays in the book like that for him to utilize his speed and his size. What it is, it's kind of like a Marvin Harrison type where it's just like, hey, get the ball to your best player. Correct. Like, just let him do his thing. Yeah. Um, I also, what a just, what just a massive play design where like, if a Dunze gets stuffed, people are like, what are you doing? Or you sweep to the outside on fourth and one? But he just understood the moment, man. Yeah. Uh, bringing up Polk, I think it's it's something to note that he has not caught a pass the last two weeks. He's been uh, a little shaky. Um, yeah, what do you what do you make of that? The guy has been awesome this year. He has had a great if this you know whatever happens against Oregon, he has had an awesome season. But yeah, he has really fallen off. Is that 
you think he might be a little hampered, or do you think defenses have just cracked something with him? I think a lot of his his plays were designed for like short third downs, and we've kind of gotten away from that. It feels like um, he has had a couple drops, but we've kind of gotten away from that and made it be more of like an Adunze where we're throwing the ball up, trying to get him to beat the cornerbacks, and he's just the passes are getting battered away or something like that is happening. Like the I think the interception that Penix had was on a ball to Polk. Um, I think it's just, yeah, they're, they're not using him in the way that they were because he's now taken on that second receiver responsibility, and people have noticed that and adjusted. Um, yeah, I think Polk, that that Oregon State game might have shaken his confidence a little bit. Really wet, you know, that rain there was yeah, probably was threw it off. And Oregon definitely, State's got a great defense, too. Yeah, great defense. Could have thrown, thrown him off a little bit, and then just, yeah, the Wazoo game couldn't really get anything going. Uh, but we're going to need him need. against this, this Oregon team. Capital N need. I guess, yeah, best way to move forward and break that game down is just to, to you know, peel off the Band-Aid. Uh, UW is expected to lose. Why is that, John? Okay, yeah. No, no, no. Not expected to lose. The line is at nine and a half points. They're expected to lose by over a touchdown. That's the line for UW Oregon in a game that was super tight and back and forth last time we played, with, by the way, UW winning. (laughs) And somehow, Oregon is favored by 9.5 points, which I think is disrespectful for a team that is now ranked number three in the AP poll. Zero losses. Undefeated. 9.5 points? Ugh. Um, Why? The question is why. Um, And the answer is pretty simple. A lot of people, and we've had discussions about this as well, a lot of people think Oregon is better than UW. Um, their offense, like UW, is probably top three in the nation. They're probably two of the top three offenses in college football. Yeah. Um, you know, where they rank is, is a matter of personal preference. And their defense is significantly better than UW's. Um, they're not a top five defense in college football, but they're probably top 10 or 15, and UW's defense is much more boomer bust. Um, They have a great habit of generating big plays when they need it, Um, but down to down, describing them as shaky might be a little bit generous. Um, So that's the map. That's what people are looking at. Um, Football is a game, uh, two sides of the ball, and if they're roughly equivalent on one side and not equivalent on the other side, why isn't the other team going to be favored? Nine and a half is too much. If the line was six and a half or four and a half, I would feel like that maybe is more reasonable and more representative of the talent on each side. Nine and a half confuses me. Yeah, I think one thing to think about is the the game that we beat them was at UW, you know, it was in Seattle. Uh, and the crowd was definitely, definitely a factor. Um, the reason that we were able to win that game was on the last second missed field goal by Oregon. Um, and he was at like the 30 yard line. Like it was something that a typical, typical kicker would make. Um, when it comes down to it, I think this Washington team has the explosive receivers as long as they are performing. Um, I think Oregon has a more diverse pool of options. Um, their running back, is it, why do I want to say Ferguson? I don't actually know the Oregon running back. Let me check. Um, Irving. Um, yeah, Irving has 163 carries, over 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. Um, pretty similar in terms of what Dylan Johnson's been able to do, but Dylan Johnson is less consistent. He's able to do it against teams with bad rushing defenses mm. and can't move the ball when there are teams that can stop the run. So I think that's the worry is yeah. Oregon has a good enough defense to stop us. And we have not shown anything in the sense of being able to stop Oregon's run. Yeah, that's yeah. That game last time we talked about it. Bo Nix was awesome that last game. And you and I were saying they were throwing the ball too much. They were averaging like nine yards a carry between their two backs. DJ had a good game that game as well. Um, but you know, UW was really throwing the heck out of the ball. Um, just to kind of, yeah, another way of looking at this perspective in terms of the difference in imbalances. First and foremost, 
UW, they have not won a game by double digits since September. Um, November was a rough month in terms of obviously winning a lot of good games against high-level competition, but not blowing anybody out. Um, they have really just been holding on for dear life, and a lot of people maybe just think that's coming to an end. Um, the Ducks are second in college football in points per game, second in total yards, first in passing yards per game. Um, that is their offense. Their defense is also 7th in points allowed, 15th in yards per game. So kind of the range that I was saying there. That's what they are in the nation. Huskies are 11th in points per game, 12th in total yards. They're 2nd in passing yards. Their running game has been, you know, not bad, but maybe not leaned on throughout the year. Um, Their defense is 48th in points per game. And 96th in total yards. They are almost out of the top 100 teams in college football in yards allowed per game. Part of that is when you're going to score as efficiently and as quickly as UW does, the other team has lots of time with the ball, and they know they need to try and hit big plays to come back against this UW team. So that's going to inflate those numbers a little bit. But... You know, statistically, Oregon's offense is better than UW's. And defensively, it is not a comparison. In, in points allowed, it's 7th to 48th. Um, so I get it. I get why they're not favored. Once, and, once again, I think 9.5 is disrespectful. I have a hard time imagining this UW team getting blown out to end an undefeated season. But this is going to be an even bigger challenge than their first matchup against Oregon. Obviously, too, because this is their second time playing, and UW won the first game. When you see that happen, it's really hard to win the second one, too. Yeah, it's hard to win two games against any opponent in the NFL, no matter what. Even even if the Niners play the Cardinals, it's a hard game. Yeah, especially when it's against a top-five team in the country. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes down to it is Bo Nix is... So much more efficient than Penix. He's is in terms of passing. He's 315 completions out of 401 attempts. Penix has 280 completions on 427 attempts. Less completions on more attempts. Um, he's more of a big play, big play guy. Penix. Yeah, Nix has more yards, five more touchdowns, six less interceptions. He's been better than Penix, and I know we were calling for Penix to be a front runner for the Heisman earlier this year. I, he's not. He hasn't been playing nearly as well as he was he's in the last few on. weeks. That's a big part of why we've seen their offense struggle compared to early in the year. Yeah, yeah. And so with that comes the the worries that everybody's been talking about. Uh, and the the reason that I would be genu- genuinely concerned about this game if I was a if I was UW. To be fair to Penix, we've talked about how much their defense has struggled. He's got more on his shoulders than Nix does. He does. Very fair. And. If they win this game, which the experts are not predicting, but if they do and have an undefeated season to make it to the college football playoff, he should be the Heisman. Yeah, yeah. You can't give it to Bo Nix if he's lost twice to this guy with a better defense and a better run game. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, UW has the most points in that 36-33 to 33 victory. UW scored the most points that Oregon has allowed in, in all season. Um, yeah. And... Obviously, UW hasn't looked as good the last four or five weeks offensively, but I think this is the time to kind of pull out all the stops. Like, Oregon is as good, if not better, than a Michigan or a Florida State. Like, I think, you know, Georgia might be a little different. I think Oregon might be the best team in the country. Like, it's, it's, that's, that's where we're at. And the fact that we beat them this year is kind of insane to me. Yeah. I, I like Georgia. Would probably be favored against Oregon. I'm not sure there's another team in the country that would be favored against Oregon. Yeah. Um, There's one reason they're number five right now, and that's because we beat them. (laughs) Sorry, guys. God, it feels so good to be able to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Feel so bad about that. Um, So let's talk about what they need to do to win. That's we could break this down because we're kind of running a little long here. Break this down, and then we can move on. Us running long? I know. Shocking. Um, I think it's simple. That really comes down to one thing. They've got to turn Oregon over one time, and they need to score 35 points. They're going to need to throw 
for seven touchdowns. <laughs> no. no, we'll give DJ we'll give DJ one. Penix is going to need to throw at least five touchdowns in this game. I I think that could be true. Um, I think I don't think they need one turnover. They need to win the turnover margin by one. Penix is probably going to have an interception. Well I'm said. not going to lie. Well said. Um, but I think yeah, if we can get two turnovers, whether that be a fumble and an interception, whatever it is, Nix is going to be throwing the ball a lot because they know they're going to have to score. Um, if they we can, might not, I would not be surprised if they switched up the game plan and said we're going ball control here. It's I could I could very much see that as well, um, and that really what that would come down to is if we can score on our possessions because they're going to be taking time off the clock um, if they were to do that. In that there's kind of those two scenarios. It's either a shootout um, like we most of like what we saw in the first matchup, or it could be like a like a similar to the UW Wazoo game where it's like a twenty four twenty one like pretty low scoring affair. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is a game where we're going to see both teams score more than forty. I think that I think it's going to be Agreed. twenty-one to thirty-eight points. That that's the range that both teams are going to be in. Especially with this game having already literally been played. Yeah, both defenses have a lot of tape. They have a deep understanding of what these teams want to do. That's part of why I'm a little concerned. Oregon's defense is better and now has like a full game of tape and experience of like how how are they going to attack us? And they're more dynamic. They can adjust easier than UW can. Um, but I, I completely agree. I think this is one of those games. We've talked about this with like value dogs and other stuff that there are these games between teams that are not quite equal where it's like, here are the outcomes. UW can win a nail biter. That's an awesome football game. Oregon can win a nail biter. That is an awesome football game or Oregon can win by 14 points. Those are kind of the three outcomes. There's not really an outcome in my mind where UW wins big. It's just not really a possibility with the way this Oregon team is built. Um, but with that being said, I would lean towards UW winning a close one or Oregon winning a close one. Um, I guess we'll see on Friday. Yeah. Uh, anything else to say about this game? I, I Let's do a score prediction. We'll do a score prediction real quick. Um, and I'll go first because... I'll take this one on the chin. I think I, I don't want to say it, but I think it's going to be Oregon 30, 31, UW 24. I, I just, I can't stand for it. 12 and 0. I just, I can't do it to my boys. I'm saying UW 35. No, UW 38, Oregon 35. Wow. Another three point victory. Another hey, I'll, I'll take all the hate in the world if the if UW wins this game. That's, take it. That's that's good. At yeah. me on Twitter. Pro- anything you need to do, protect your neck. <laughs> Love to see it. I just want to mention too, UW is currently three um, in the college football ranking. Georgia and Michigan uh, are one and two. Michigan's playing a playing Iowa for the Big Ten title, so Michigan's in. Um, Georgia is playing Alabama. That is a huge, huge, huge game for playoff implication. If Alabama beats Georgia, Alabama is currently eight in the nation at eleven and one. If UW loses this game against Oregon, here is what they need: they need Georgia to beat Alabama. They probably need Florida State to lose to Louisville. We were arguing before the pod whether or not if Florida State lost their star quarterback two weeks ago. Um, and they are not that good anymore. But they are 12-0. If they beat Louisville close, if they beat Louisville by a field goal and get to 13-0, would they be in over UW, even though we have a clear understanding that they are not one of the best four teams? I don't think so. They, you know, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about this weird college football committee. They're not beholden to anybody. They've stated very clearly what we do is put the four best teams in college football in. And Florida State, even if they're 13-0 and and win the ACC, with this team, without their star quarterback, they're not a top-four team in the country, and they don't deserve to be in the playoff. And that sucks for all the other super-talented guys on that team, but that's just the truth. They're just not that good. Um, so we would need Alabama to lose. We would need Texas to lose the Big 12 against Oklahoma State. Um, and that's it. Ohio State shouldn't be able to get in. They shouldn't be. They're not even playing in their conference championship. Correct. They're done. So they should not. If UW loses, we should still be over Ohio State. So what we would need is, yeah, Alabama and Texas 
and Florida State to lose. And, and maybe Florida State I, to I, lose. Any team that is undefeated and in a Power 5 conference will make the playoff. Yeah, they. I, I'm sorry to break it to you, buddy. That's just what it's going to be. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be 13 and 0. They would be 2 and 0 with this quarterback. They'd be 2 and 0. Does a 2 and 0 team That's not how they're going to think end? of it, though. We'll see. A, a football team is more than just the quarterback, as anybody would say. There are a lot of people from Florida who would agree with you. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll hopefully we don't have to find out. Um. Yeah. I. I'm so excited for this game. It's going to be great. It's going to be. Going to be a lot of fun. I love. Nothing like Champ Week. Um, Friday, big game. Tune in. Tell your friends. All right, we are going long, but before we call it, I just want to touch on, just touch on the Kraken. Disclaimer, I have watched one half of one Kraken game this season. (laughs) Why? Because there are a lot of great sports on right now, and the Kraken are bad. 23 games in, they are 8 10 and five, with the five being overtime losses. So they are eight and 15. They're winning one out of every three games they play. They are fifth in the Pacific Division. Um, and they're just not very good. They have the most overtime losses in the Western Conference. They have a negative 17 goal differential. Um, they are four and six in their last 10, including three losses in their last four. And I'm not really sure what more there is to say. This does not appear to be the year. The Canucks stole our season. The Canucks are having the year we were supposed to have. Yeah, they're in the bottom seven or eight in goals four per game and goals allowed per game. They're just not a good team right now. Um, it's kind of, we, we, we did talk about this kind of in the second week after the season started. Uh, we're just not looking. We're not looking like the team we were last year. Um, John and I were talking before. They've gotten five overtime losses this season. They had eight all of last season, and they play. What is it like a hundred games almost? Maybe it's like ninety. Uh, and they're twenty games into the season right now. Like they are eleventh out of sixteen in the Western Conference. They're not even a top ten team in the West currently. Um, and they, they can't win close games. Yeah. Like they, they, they have been very, very unsuccessful at being able to win in overtime. Correct. And that's, yeah, largely due to the same problems in the regular part of the, of the game, which is a mixture between mediocre offense and, and, and poor defense. So at some point, you and I are going to sit down and really watch a game and have a more of a deep dive analysis on this Kraken team and on the issues that they have. But we figured we just... After after that elation of UW Oregon, we figured we'd end on a downer note. Yeah, as as we like to do here. Yes, it's the Pacific Northwest. Things are gray. Yeah, I think one thing to note is uh, penalty penalty stuff as well. They're the in terms of scoring on penalties, um, the Kraken are like tenth, but they are also tenth in or like twentieth, I guess, or twenty second, however many teams there are in goals allowed per penalty that they that is incurred against them. Yeah. Basically, they're allowing more penalty scores than they are getting. And that's no surprise. They were they were actually doing better than they were last year at scoring when in the penalty. Yeah. But the thing about last year is they were the best offense on the ice uh, when it's five on five, when yeah. nobody's in the penalty. Um, and that is not the case this year. Yeah. Um, and there'll be discussion to have on that, but we're not going to do it now because we're already over an hour in. And I want to go to bed. Yeah. Two quick things from from me to you lovely, lovely Husky basketball fans out there. UW women's team, 7-0. They have seven wins and zero losses. Granted, they haven't played anybody super tough, but that's good. UW women's team was bad the last couple of years. So kudos to them. Just wanted to shout them out. Keep watching that Pac-12 basketball. They are killing it this year. I don't think any team is... I think the worst team in the Pac-12 is 6-2. and two. Um, love that. Just, just love Pac-12 ba- women's basketball. That was Pac-12 football to start the year. That's fair too. Um, yeah, they just, they just beat each other up. That's what the Pac-12 does. They are good at it. We might, we might see it this week. <laughs> um, and then last thing, UW Huskies are four and two, and they play number twenty Colorado State on Saturday. Um, so that'll be just, just a fun game to see kind of how they compare against teams that are ranked. They haven't played a ranked opponent. Um, they lost to Nevada, um, who is. 4-0 currently. 
and uh, they lost to San Diego State in overtime by three points. So they've actually been pretty decent this year. Um, this is going to be the first real test, though. So good stuff coming out of the UW basketball front. Yeah. Uh, Zags still loving in the nation. We'll have more to say on them later. If you enjoyed this episode of Sound of Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Hey, we just had Spotify wrapped. We were number five in my podcast listened to. That's right. I listened to my own podcast so that I can document no, John's value dogs because <laughs> somebody has to. <laughs> um, and I think we were like a top top podcast by I think two or three people, which was awesome to see. Love it. Love you guys. Thanks, mom. <laughs> Um, yeah follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify you can find me Tyler at Tycart50 everywhere that's important and you can find John back in our humble abode with our lovely growing tiny plastic Christmas tree and my single stocking because John doesn't have one yet I'm tired of coal baby (laughs) you can leave it (laughs) on the porch Uh, we hope you have a great great weekend and hey let's go dogs baby go dogs for the last time go dogs